Welcome to the latest edition of the Evolution Cyber Exchange podcast. Today, I'm joined by Lalisha from Splunk, who is a CISO advisor. Um, today, Lalisha is joining me to talk about her non-traditional route um, into cybersecurity. So thanks, first of all, Lalisha, for joining me today. And for the listeners who don't already know who you are, could you begin, begin by giving us a brief um, introduction to yourself? Absolutely. And thanks for having me, David. My name again is Alicia Hurd, as you mentioned. Um, I've been on my career journey now for about 20 years. Currently, I am a thought leader and evangelist um, at Splunk, which is a market leading data analytics company that helps um, agencies and commercial organizations really drive towards business outcomes and resilience aligned to their mission and goals. Um, before that, I worked at several well-known Fortune 100 companies in various CISO and cyber leadership roles across various industries um, within both public and private sector. And I am glad to be here to have this conversation today. Thank you. And thanks for that um, that great overview. And so obviously the topic of today's discussion, Lalisha, is um, more specifically, we're going to be kind of focusing around you and your journey. Um, but that discussion is around non-traditional routes into cyber. So I guess <laughs> no surprise there for the listeners that obviously you've come from a non-traditional route. Could you give us, paint us a bit of a picture of, um, you know, how you got into cybersecurity, but I guess taking a step back from there, where you, your educational background and where you started out uh, career-wise? Yeah, um, so I definitely probably have a bit of a more non-traditional background. Um, I actually started my, my career as an IT bank examiner in the financial services space. And I actually started at the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond, which is right here in my backyard home for me. Um, I utilized my systems engineering bachelor's degree from the University of Virginia, so Wahoos, um, to really break into the IT governance risk and compliance domain, which is where I spent the, the first 10 years of my career. Um, I traveled, consulted, performed a ton of audits and risk assessments, um, across healthcare, government, retail, manufacturing industries, and really got an opportunity to get exposed to um, different aspects of GRC across those industries. Um, this was back during the time for those that, that would, can remember when Sarbanes-Oxley was a thing and companies really needed help kind of figuring out what to do in that space. And that was a, a, a ton of fun back then. Um, I love working with companies not only to identify opportunities for improvement, but also to offer up solutions and recommendations to really improve the risk posture of the business. And so this was really my sweet spot. Um, and then I think my DNA wanted a bit more. I actually wanted to be a part of the solution and actually work to help companies implement some of those strategies and solutions to, to fix some of the very things that I was pointing out which for those in the audit world know it's a thin line between, you know, um, providing opportunities for improvement and then jumping in being a part of the solution. And so that's kind of what led me down um, the cyber path probably about a decade ago. Okay, fantastic. And I guess to hone in and focus specifically on your kind of educational background then. So um, I've just kind of looked at the, the timeline here of, so you started out as a systems engineer. You went on then to do an MBA, uh, not pretty much immediately after. And then it was some years on from there that you did um, an MS in information assurance. At what point, I guess, when you started out doing systems engineering, is that what you now, uh, thought you were going to go into initially? And when did you sort of make that decision that 
security, I guess, was your calling? Yeah, that's a great question. So yeah, I, it, when I think when you mentioned my education background, it looks like I'm all over the place. So I'll tell you how it started. <laughs> so systems engineering, I thought it was what I wanted to do until I took my first computer science course. And I realized that that probably was not necessarily for me. So I actually got a um, concentration in management systems. And this is where I kind of picked up on some of the governance risk compliance work that I talked about and started getting interested in that space. And I did that for a while. Um, and then, like I said, I, I wanted to, to be more a part of the solution. And so that's kind of where my curiosity for cyber um, actually started. And so I think it was more around being involved in protecting, defending, responding, and actually recovering aspects that required kind of those problem-solving risk management aspects um, from my background. And in the MBA, I, I, I thought it was important to have a big picture view of, of business and how to um, manage and oversee organizations, which really came into play in some of my, my, my leader roles that I had. Um, and then really the information assurance degree solidified kind of some of those um, cyber aspects that I was um, applying in my current roles and actually just supplemented um, some of the things that I was experiencing in some of those roles along the way. So I think the combination of the three, um, at least for me, really helped open up some doors um, for some of my roles that I had later in my career. You think about it as a system engineer and you're, you're great at putting pieces together, you're great at problem solving, um, the, the MBA degree, I was able to understand kind of leadership, how to oversee, run a business, so to speak. And then the information assurance degree kind of applied um, some of those technical skill sets and courses that actually complemented the other pieces. So holistically, I think they all play a role in cyber one way or another. And so I'm happy that I was able to take advantage of those opportunities along the way. Um, to prepare me for those roles. Mm, absolutely. And I think that's a, like, probably going to be a really interesting kind of theme for the people that are listening who are maybe starting out their career or considering a career in cybersecurity that I think we all put a lot of emphasis on, you know, whether it's a degree, whether it's a certain course we're paying for or investing a lot of time in doing, it needs to be the right one. And reality is until, mm -hmm. you know, we, we get along the course and realize actually this isn't for me. It's all a stepping stone. It's kind of moving us along the right way. So I know you started by saying, you know, it looks like it's all over the place. But ultimately, as I think we're going to unpack a bit more in this conversation, each of those things from the, the, the kind of the technical, maybe systems engineering to the more holistic, as you mentioned, MBA program to then, as you mentioned, solidifying with the information assurance. Once you know what you want to do, you can specialize. It's, I guess, hard to specialize before you know specifically what you want to do. But that's not to say the courses and the degrees and whatnot and the training you do in the main, meantime is wasted or, you know, pulling you in the wrong direction. Yeah. It's all kind of builds up the picture, right? Absolutely. And I'll, I'll just add there too, David, that I was fortunate enough to have some of my companies pay for those degrees. So I would strongly recommend individuals looking to explore or get those degrees if you choose to to really take advantage of your organization's um, tuition reimbursement and higher education programs because I was able to fully pay for all of those degrees um, 
obviously outside of my bachelor's, I got a scholarship for that. But the other ones I was able to have my organization sponsor and pay for, which I was grateful for. And they also paid for my certifications that I have from ASACA as well. So definitely something to take advantage of for those looking to get into the career career mm. field of cyber. Perfect. And that's, yeah, that's great advice. And I guess it's something we'll, we'll hopefully kind of drill down on a little bit later. And I'm sure you'll have a load of other kind of takeaways throughout this conversation. But I think for people that are starting out, it's you've already kind of mentioned it there, maybe look for the big organizations, maybe target the people who, you know, are providing that training and those certs. Because I know when I speak to a lot of people from a recruitment perspective, they want to get these, but they start realizing how expensive they are. Maybe they prioritize the company yeah. that's, you know, pays the most or is closest to home or is working with the shiniest new tech. But actually, you know, when you're young, uh, and getting into um, industry, you might not kind of rank having just come out of university and paying for it yourself, maybe, you know, you're not going to think, uh, put education and kind of training up there quite so highly. So I think that's a really interesting and useful bit of information for, you know, people trying to get into cyber. And Lalita, I'm quite interested from your perspective, having come from a non-traditional route and also having also being being a woman in cyber and IT, you know, it's it's a very kind of male dominated industry. What are the barriers you've come up against as, you know, coming from a non-traditional route and as as a woman getting into cyber? Yeah, I think that's a great question and one I get asked a lot. So thank you for bringing that forward. So again, for me, I, I kind of gear or, or steered away from more of the technical track and traditional track. It wasn't intentional. It just didn't seem like an area that aligned with my passion and background, right? It wasn't anything that was like, oh my gosh, I got to go do, do these technical things. And so I think in earlier in my career, I would say it was a slight barrier for roles for me because a lot of the roles that I, I was looking at in the cyber field, and it's still the same case today, right? It's acting for all these technical certifications, it may be asking for a technical degree, they want you to be a coder, they want you to be a hacker, like all these things mm -hmm. that are kind of scary to people. And so for me, I had to kind of overcome that imposter syndrome for myself. Um, and like you said, being a woman in a male dominated field, not only in, in my engineering program, but even in, in a lot of my roles that I had, you know, you, you start to question yourself sometimes. Do I have the, the right background? Do I have the right skill set? Do I have the right training and previous knowledge and education to walk into these roles? And I think the answer in most cases is yes, I do. I think we just have to think about these roles a little bit differently in cyber, right? I mentioned GRC, governance risk and compliance. That is a critical domain in the cyber field that may not necessarily require you to be as but it's very mm -hmm. important, right? Every organization has governance, hopefully. Every organization has some form of risk management and audit practices. So for me, it was a very um, comfortable route, I will say, um, leading up to cyber, and it actually worked. Um, being the only female in the room was pretty common for me um, in many of my roles, but over time, um, I started to see those shifts where I started to be one of few, right? Or, or now we're starting to see more females in these roles. 
I think a lot of it has to do with how we talk about threats of fields, right? How we talk about and message our job descriptions. Are we making them more inclusive for women to apply, right? And so I think that's a, a challenge that we're still trying to find the silver bullet or solution to. How do we get more women into to tech and into cyber? But I definitely see progress from when I started over a decade, decade ago to where we are now. Brilliant. Well, that's uh, that's definitely a positive. And sort of putting you on the on the spot a bit here, but um, you know, imposter syndrome is something I was inevitably going to bring up later on in the call. But since you know we've addressed it here already, have you got any particular tips or tricks you use? As you mentioned uh, previously, you know, sometimes you do feel like, is my training right? Is my background right? What tips and tricks do you use to kind of uh, convince yourself and, you know, to dig yourselves out of those holes when, when, you, when you're going through that in your mind? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. I think you just have to motivate and encourage yourself is the simple answer. And, and people go about that in different ways. So for me, it's repeat, repeating certain phrases to myself, telling myself I, I am enough. Mm. Um, I deserve to be here. I deserve to be in this room. I have um, very insightful thoughtful and unique perspectives to bring to the table and add to the conversation um and then you have to just remind yourself of all the things that you've accomplished to yourself mm. right how did you get here and I, I love having these conversations like this because it forces me to think about and talk about my journey right and mm. how I got here and so I think we have to remind ourselves of all the things that we've done in the past that have been successful but also we have to also remember some of the um, mistakes and lessons learned along the way as well to make sure that we don't um, walk into those same paths and have those things occur um, again. And then for me, and I'll share this with you, David, because I know we're in a safe space here. I, I listen to music. I turn up music to get myself like jazzed up or in a good space for either those tough conversations, those big meetings or whatever the case may be. But I think it's whatever makes you feel like you, whatever mm. encourages you and gives you inspiration and to, to give you the confidence that you can do anything that you set your mind to do, I think is probably my advice to folks. Brilliant. Thanks for sharing that. I think that will be that will be helpful for people. I know like the kind of the positive affirmations, that's, you know, what maybe people would would expect to hear but you know hearing something unconventional listening to music taking yourself away getting a positive distraction um i think that's going to be you know something that's quite helpful for people listening to as well just having that little time to yourself um and we've spoken so far obviously about the obstacles your and your background specifically and how it is non-traditional what do you see as the benefits of having come from a non-traditional background yeah, so I think as human beings, um, we have been conditioned to think that, you know, if someone has a college degree, somehow they're better positioned for a role over someone else who may not have a degree. And in some cases, that very well may be true, right? For example, I wouldn't want someone operating on me that didn't go to school to study anatomy, right? For example, mm. someone who didn't know where or how to cut and how to properly use surgical instruments. So I get it, right? There are, you know, um, roles and careers that, you know, a degree may play a role. However, I think one of the unique things about the cyber field is that we have the ability to be flexible, 
we have the mm-hmm. ability to be creative and innovative in how we recruit, hire, train, and even retain talent. Um, if we look at the data, you know, history has shown us that through cyber attacks specifically, that the majority of our adversaries do not have degrees, right? But yet they're hacking into our systems mm-hmm. and, and doing all types of things. And to take this a step further, David, less than half of the people that pursue an ethical hacker career path have bachelor's degree while the other half are, are basically self-taught, right? And so there's value in, in that as well. And so I think tech companies do a, a really good job at finding people with those tech degrees and certifications, but we have a significant opportunity to kind of think outside the box to some of these non-traditional routes that we're talking about today. And we can be flexible and intentional about hiring and building a diverse team. And diverse team may be you have people that have degrees, and you may have people that do not have degrees. They're self-taught or they have experiences or gaps, or I mean skills that you may have gaps in your teams. And so I think sometimes that means taking a chance on a great problem solver, someone with strong analytical business and communication skills, a person that understands risk and is not afraid to think differently to anticipate future or even potential threats. And just someone who's a constant learner, right? That brings solutions forward. And guess what? They may or may not have a tech degree and that should be okay, right? For certain roles. And so mm. I do place value when I'm hiring and, and looking at people that may not have a, a traditional route because they they have um, experiences that are unique that we may need on the team and within the company. And so when I hire individuals, I think about my customer and I think about my company needs. Where are our gaps and what talent and specific skill sets do we need to be successful as an organization? And if they have degrees, tech certifications, those are bonuses. But if not, guess what? I can also train them or send them back to school, as I mentioned earlier, if necessary, to learn those domain areas as long as they're open to it. Sure. And from your perspective, when you've hired people from non-traditional regions, you say they bring in that kind of blend of skills. What benefits have you seen from having a diverse team versus maybe having a team who are textbook good candidates who have gone the traditional route? Yeah, I personally have seen those individuals that come in through non-traditional routes, whether it's they may have gone to a two-year college, they may have been in the military, they may have been self-taught, they may not have a degree at all. I find that they bring in unique perspectives and innovative solutions that perhaps maybe I may not have thought of, right? Because my thought process may go to um, methodologies or frameworks or things that I've learned throughout my education. But some of these folks bring in lived experiences like from the military where they've actually been a war fighter. They know what the problems and challenges are. And so they come into an organization and help to create the solutions that, you know, would help war fighters, for example. And so that's something that I couldn't bring to the table, right? Because I don't have those lived experiences. And guess what? That's not anything that I could have learned in school, right? Either in my my degrees. So I think you have to look at, again, going back to what is your company's mission or your agency's mission? What are the things you're trying to achieve for your customers? And then identify what skills, right, you need from your team. And you build that team based off of that. Right. And so I think in, in interviews, 
I think is very critical to kind of push yourself beyond the typical questions, right? That we ask folks and 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 really push ourselves to ask some deeper, deeper questions to let us know how they would respond or react. Um, how would they recover in a, a stressful situation? How how would they, you know, go about dealing with um, you know, a difficult customer? Like what would there be a, what would their approach be? And their thought process. And I think you find out a lot about a person and what they can bring to your organization when you do that. Mm. How do you think we can encourage more people to get into cybersecurity? Is there a simple solution? And particularly looking at people from non-traditional routes, um, women and girls as well being kind of the big focus. Yeah, I think we have to talk about the cyber field differently, right? And I, I alluded to this earlier, right? When people hear cyber, I don't know what you think about David, but most of our younger, um, early career talent thinks something's totally different, right? And so I think when we go out to these career fairs, even when we go out to high schools and middle schools, which is something I, I often do as well, we have to talk about it in a way that resonates with them, right? We can't talk about all of the the technology, the systems, the certain Specifications, the acronyms, all of those things, right, that we often hear in the cyber field. We have to message it a little bit differently and make them intrigued to want to learn and know more. Um, we have to really listen to the needs and wants of our workforce for the future and start to align to it versus having them align to, to our, our, our um, tactics and approaches and, and the way we think about cyber. And I think we have to start a lot earlier. We're doing a great job, I think, at colleges, but studies show that that's too late, right? We really should be going into the K-12 um, community and starting to talk about the, the art of the possible for careers and professions um, early, right? Because that's when they start to be a sponge and start to truly think about what they want to do with their lives and careers um, as adults. Um, so I think if we do those things, I think it's really around awareness, communication, messaging, but then also create opportunities that our organization for them to come shadow or, or learn or, um, you know, do it in the life with David or Alicia to see her role is like, to see if it's something of interest for them. Yeah, and I I completely agree with. I think we do need to start a bit earlier earlier because going into secondary school, people have already kind of got a bit of an idea whether it's through themselves or even it could be like parental influence. You know, all oh, cyber's not for girls, or cyber's not for you. You're not this or that. I'm personally not a technical person, and you know, there's a whole heap of roles I couldn't or wouldn't be probably interested in doing in cybersecurity. But it's such a wide field. What would your greatest advice and or suggestions be to those considering a career in cyber? Yeah, I would say starting a career in cyber begins with the decision to learn and grow, right? And then space despite your lack of degree or lack of IT courses. Um, as such, my advice to those seeking a career change is always make sure you're investing in yourself and taking advantage of free courses that are out there and also make sure the organization that you choose to align yourself with is just as equally invested in your career journey success as you are. Sure. Thank you. 
other tips or anything you kind of wanted to mention to the listeners that might help them or convince them maybe if they are considering these cyber careers? Yeah, I would just say, you know, for, for those that are recruiters, right, studies show that workforce of the future are really concerned about three things, and that's flexibility and work-life balance, training, personal development, and then valued impact. And so if you're looking for these talented folks, um, make sure you're messaging your, your roles and descriptions around those things. And then, like I said, if you're looking to make that switch into career, in, into a uh, different career path, and that being cyber, um, just do it, right? Le- reach out to the resources around you. There's several organizations out there and programs that can help you do that. I am a resource. I, I spend a lot of time with, with folks that are making transitions into new roles and those that are looking to get into cyber. So reach out into your network. I'm a resource. I'm on LinkedIn for those that are interested. Um, and I look forward to seeing more, more um, individuals make that transition into cyber. And thanks for having me, David. This was a blast. No, my pleasure. I'm really, um, really glad to have had you on. And thank you for the advice as well you've given from a recruitment perspective. Hopefully this podcast serves as one kind of way of encouraging people to get into cyber. But I mean, if there's any other kind of suggestions you have for me, um, I'm I'm always, um, whatever we can do to kind of help get into the cyber community is, I'd be happy to help out. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it.